0: Mighty Atlantic 10 Conference.
1: The call's on him. Five seconds to go. Charlotte Kloof.
0: The A10 Talk Podcast, presented by Get Trending Productions. And welcome back to the A10 Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Pyle. And tonight I am joined with the usual suspects, Mr. Anthony Morelli and Daniel Frank. Tony, how's it going? I'm at the tippy top of the mountain and I'm only
2: halfway up. The Lang Gang is in town and I'm feeling great.
0: Awesome, man. Daniel,
3: what about you? That game was the epitome of Survive in Advance. We, GW, is alive still. Unfortunately, that one of my two teams is going to get knocked out tomorrow, but for the time being, we're all still alive over here.
0: Yeah, that's definitely uh, something we're going to get into, unfortunately, if you had to watch that game or if you watched that game on your own accord. At one point, you might have wanted to gouge your eyes out with a plastic spoon. It was that bad. But (laughs) nonetheless, GW did get the win. St. Joe's did get the win. And that was a much better game uh, earlier today. Um, So before we get into all that, I wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping on the week. So the site's been putting out uh, a lot of content. On Monday, we had over no tuesday we had over three thousand views on the site um it's not best ever but it's probably the it's the second best we've done all season before uh during the season at least so i appreciate our writers appreciate you guys for coming out um and supporting us and reading all of our stuff uh getting mad about it being happy about it whatever Emotions you had about any content we put out. We appreciate you at least giving this time. Um, but another thing is our bracket challenge. So if you haven't seen the couple of tweets we put out about the directions and all that stuff about it, um, we do have a bracket challenge that is put together uh, between us at A10 Talk and the By George Network. We kind of combined forces when we realized oh, we're both doing a bracket challenge. Instead of doing two, let's combine into one. So pretty much we did that. Um, One of our guys put together this awesome bracket and uh, it's through Google Docs. Um, And like he's got, he's like a super tech savvy guy. Uh, He put together this whole thing on Google Docs that you just have to choose it and then it'll keep track of everything. Um, the only thing you're going to do is send me the money. So thank you for paying off my student loans. Uh, So that's really appreciated. But joking aside, um, there was a little bit of confusion about the bracket, um, because we did not include picks for the pillow fight round. And that's because Uh, We wanted to make sure that we knew exactly what the opponents were going to be. It's kind of the same reason why ESPN and all the other like NCAA tournament brackets don't make you pick the first four games because they want you to make a pick based off of the opponent that the playing games are actually going to, of the teams they're going to actually play in like the second round per se, right? In the field of 64. So we felt the same way. So we wanted to make sure uh, you, could, you could submit it before the games were played, but if you wanted to wait and see, you know, who were the winner of the today's games were going to be, uh, you had that opportunity and many people have taken advantage of it. Um, you could also pause. I'm pretty sure you can change your mind too. You just have until uh, 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, which is uh, when the first game is played between Richmond and Duquesne. So if you didn't realize it, Pillow Fight round does not count toward the bracket challenge. So congratulations to everyone. Everyone who submitted it has a perfect bracket. <laughs> um, so it's $10 buy-in. So far we have around $700 in prizes, which is huge. Um, the first, uh, first place prize uh, gets 75% of that total. And the runner-up gets about twenty-five percent. So if you think about it, the winner is going to get somewhere around five hundred dollars, uh, which is a lot of money. Technic for me, I mean, I don't really know what everyone else's job is, but I'm a teacher, and we don't make that much money. So uh, that's a good chunk of change there. Um, if you have any questions or about anything at all, DM us. We're gonna we'll help you out. It's either me or my buddy Michael who's running this stuff. So uh, we'll be Glad to help you out. Um, well, you know, we're nice guys. This isn't like totally serious. You know, we're all doing this for fun because we love the A-10. Uh, so yeah, DM us if you have any questions. Other than that, um, let's just get right into recapping these games. So earlier, St. Joe's defeated LaSalle and it was a very hard fought game. It was another classic Philadelphia big five game as anthony likes to put it and i kind of agree considering how the first two games went against these two um so without further ado anthony give us your thoughts takes and review of this game i can't believe i get to talk about this a third time
2: on this show which is always fun first of all this was an actual game i mean no offense daniel but this this resembled real basketball where people were making shots and there was some functioning offense and a little bit of a functioning defense. My takeaway from this game is St. Joe's, for the last seven minutes, only allowed two baskets and then two free throws. They locked down on defense. Now we could say, well, LaSalle's not the epitome of a great offensive minded team. We know that they're ISO heavy sometimes and they struggle to score once in a while. For the first half of the game, they were shooting 50% from the field and 40% from three. And they finished the game shooting only 40% from the field and 32% from three. What does that mean? St. Joe's locked down on defense. We can say, we can try to disregard it as much as we want because it was against LaSalle. But for a team that's very small against a team that has two centers in Kimbrough and Moore who are pretty big and can score around the rim, I thought this was a very good effort by St. Joe's. All the players played well. Jordan Hall played well. Taylor Funk played well. And, of course, Ryan Daly played well. And so did Cameron Brown. A lot of players played well. But for me, it was the defense switching seamlessly when they were getting hit with screens. And rebounding was not a problem for them in this game. Turnovers, maybe. But really, St. Joe's, they look like a well-rounded team. They could lose it to UMass. But, man, I'm I'm thinking that they're hitting their stride right where they need to.
0: So... Um, it's kind of crazy that throughout the year, Ryan Daly has not been with this team and they just look putrid. And since he's come back, they're four and oh, and I I don't know if it's just the effect of him out there. I mean, I know he's like, you know, he's a good, great scorer. He's a leader. He's a senior, all that stuff. Um, but like, you know, he was on the team for the good part, first part of the year Um, But I wonder if that those losses were just because he, you know, that their non con schedule was absolutely uh, abysmal, like it it was crazy hard. So I wonder, you know, if they would have had some lesser opponents, you know, like when they played Albany, um, you know, would they have won a few more games you know would they would we have more of a complete story about what the real St. Joe's team's team is like instead of you know what they were for the you know four five weeks without Ryan Daly yeah you
2: can't underestimate that non-conference schedule I mean Villanova Tennessee Kansas it was I don't know who thought I mean I know why they did it but in reality was it for the better of building a new team probably not. And I just want to mention two players, Ramir Moore and Cameron Brown. They were added to the starting lineup. And with this lineup of Jordan Hall, Taylor Funk, Ramir Moore, Cameron Brown, Ryan Daly, they have not lost. And I really do think some of it has to come to those two, Brown and Moore, who were freshmen last year and played well last year. They were very quiet for majority of the season. Now they've come and they've really brought something different to the team. And I'm glad to see them growing because without them getting better, I think the team is still a little stagnant and there isn't anything to look forward to. So I'm glad that those younger guys are now trying to step up along with Jordan Hall.
0: So that's my last point. Well, four game winning streak. Um, Billy Lang is starting to make it look like these guys are a real team. Um, Taylor Funk has probably looked never better. Um, Ryan Daly has looked never better, regardless of how you think his athleticism is. The dude is just a walking bucket. And we'll get more into their game with UMass later. But we're going to move on, uh, unfortunately, to uh, that other game, Fordham and GW. Uh, It looked like GW was going to run away with this thing. And then the wheels fell off a little bit, and Fordham found their stride. I don't really, I, I don't know. I was in and out of this game. I had some things that I had to do for work today, but I'm assuming Daniel saw the whole thing, or at least he skit. He didn't pay enough attention during class to uh, watch the entirety of this game. So without further ado, Daniel, go ahead. Tell me about this game.
3: Well, my first sentence I got to say is they don't ask how they ask how many. <laughs> uh that was kind of the epitome of this game also i will just say for anyone promoting how ugly a game this was and don't get me wrong this was a horrendously played game they clearly had never sat through the 2008 game when gw beat st louis 49 20 and held st louis to 14 percent shooting which is still the division one low 20 points in the ball game uh and i was there for that that was brutal uh <laughs> so anything else from there is kind of north of it that's always kind of my how i uh would rate a game is based off of that i will say so my situation for this this is why i love march is it gives me an excuse not to pay attention in class daytime basketball i i live for it so i did not get to see the first half of the game i had the live stats on the background of my class but from what i was looking at the stats gw started this game on fire um they got up to a 15 point lead I know that Jameer Nelson Jr. had a career high of points, and he said it in just the first half, he had 14 points. Um, And then my class ended, I got downstairs to watch the rest of the game, Uh, if you want to call it a game. Um, I will be honest, for about 19 and a half minutes, I thought that GW was going to lose. And it was one of those situations I had a tweet drafted in my head of just like GW loses to Fordham in the playing game for the second year in a row. I don't know what to say right now. I was so glad not to have to send that tweet. (laughs) Um, I have to say I was kind of trying hard to stay in the game mentally because it was just a slugfest. And GW didn't hit a shot for like four and a half minutes. Then Fordham wouldn't hit anything for like three minutes. And they would just like, it was like, who can do worse? It was, it was ugly. It was ugly, ugly basketball. But then you had that play with well the first thing that caught my attention was the intentional foul that seemed to be the turning point in the game with 240 left there was an intentional foul called it wasn't overly egregious but it was definitively an intentional foul, and it gave GW two free throws, which I believe cut it to like a one point game I think at that point, but um, Chris is yawning. I'm already putting him back to sleep. This talk, <laughs> this game up. Dude, I have been up
0: early. It it was parent conference day. I,
3: Oh, it was been a long day.
0: So you're, but you're also correct. So go,
3: but no. So I will say that shot that Jameson battle hit has the potential to be like one of those types of shots that people talk about. Like, I'm not trying to say like, it's up there with a the Charlotte shot or like the Shantae Rogers shot, but like, when you're when you're a middling team, you're an 11 seed. You're kind of in the pits of mediocrity. You need something to hold on to that kind of gets your your blood going a little bit. And that that brought me off of my butt off the couch when that shot went in. And then I was suddenly on my hands and knees in front of the TV for the last 40 seconds of the ball game, um, which somehow GW was able to get stops in. Um, and they they somehow hit they they hit two free throws when they had to. GW is notoriously bad at free throws. They hit their free throws when they had to. They don't ask how, they ask how many survived advance, whatever cliches you want to bring up to this. This is March. They found a way to win. And now they get to go face my other true love, the George Mason Patriots tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Um, you said it all right there for the uh, average George Washington fan. Because I think the rest of us were just like, jesus is this gonna end is this gonna go to ot you know is the over gonna hit <laughs> Dude, there was a whole chat on betting it was crazy um but uh yeah this game was just abysmal and i for a minute i thought it was gonna go to ot um but uh sure enough it did not any final thoughts on this game
3: so this is in the A10 tournament championship notes no, so they say not to jinx us, but of the 355 games that have been played in Atlantic 10 championship history, only 24 have gone to overtime. And that wow. floored me. And they, ha- the most recent one was 2017 semifinal between VCU and Richmond. You had two games that year. You had one in 2016 and then you had four in 2011. And that's not even in the current format. So you've only had three games in the current for- format go to overtime. That just blows my mind because I was also thinking like this is probably going to go to overtime because it always feels like these games do. But as it turns out, they don't.
0: Yeah, that's a great stat. Way to go. Frank stats right there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's the Pillify round. So we will uh, move on to game picks. Let's start with Anthony, Duquesne and Richmond. I worry that Richmond
2: has some injury problems and they're reeling and Mooney's already doing interviews about his time at Richmond. And that worries me. And so I'm going to pick Duquesne based off of these non-analytical standards, because I think when a team's thinking like that, not a good sign heading into tournament time. Daniel, what's
0: your pick?
3: Nothing about Duquesne has impressed me this season. Frankly, I, I just cannot in my gut, believe that duquesne's gonna win this game as bad as richmond has been i think they find a way to get one they probably get killed by bonnet on friday i just think that richmond probably gets one in their home city
0: well i don't know if you two saw but blake francis uh is a game time decision not only that grant golden has uh edward scissorhands going on and with that, I really think Duquesne pulls this out with a victory here. Uh, they're just not going to have. I, I I can't trust like a Blake Francis that's not hundred percent or a Grant Golden that's very limited to what he can do, especially on the boards. Like Duquesne might have forty rebounds and Richmond might have like four. <laughs> so uh, I got Duquesne in this one. St. Joe's and UMass. Uh, Anthony. Who you got? It was funny. I was
2: actually on Clubhouse with some UMass fans. We were talking about this. So I have so many thoughts in my head, but I'll keep it really short. Trey Mitchell is good. St. Joe's has no center that can defend him. (laughs) He is very good. However, St. Joe's could put five guys on the perimeter and dare UMass to cover them on a man coverage. I think UMass does a 2-3 zone or they do a full full press into a 2-3 zone, trap the ball handler, and then just use the center to chip away at St. Joe's. I hate to say this, but there's something inside me saying UMass just comes out and beats them, especially since St. Joe's hasn't played them this year. I don't like that kind of matchup not seeing a team. So I'll take UMass.
3: Daniel, how about you? UMass has been the weird elephant in the room that we've all been talked about this whole time. And the logical decision here would definitely be to go with the higher seed. I just, I have this gut feeling that UMass just isn't that good frankly. I mean, from what we saw on Monday night, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just don't have faith in them. Also, this analogy came to my head just now, and I have to share this. I feel like Ryan Daly is the Phil Kessel of the St. Joe's team. Everything about his stature, his, his posture. I just, I I get the vibe. I got to go with my man, Ryan Daly. How can I pick against him? Come on, Anthony, pick your boys. I'm going St. Joe's.
0: So funny you mentioned Phil Kessel, but he's my favorite hockey player. And I have a Penguins Phil Kessel jersey and uh, this like jersey sweatshirt thing. That's like an old Penguins replica. That's a Kessel one. Um, yeah, I love He he's like my favorite hockey player. So uh, with that, now I'm kind of pumped. So I had UMass winning this game. And then one, I, I was looking back and forth because I'm like, okay, now I got to have some serious consideration The St. Joe's are They've won four in a row. Ryan Daly has come back. He's looked like a stud. Taylor Funk looks like a stud. Cameron Brown, all of a sudden looks like the guy that we thought he'd be. Um, and I was like, but they, their defense is shit. And Trey Mitchell is like godly, you know, like he, he's like a first team player and he, he's uh he's just probably he's probably one of the front runners for player of the year. If UMass wasn't out so much now, he doesn't really get that consideration, you know? So let's think about this. UMass has been back from a COVID pause uh, for only two games now, basically one week. And they played Richmond, St. Louis. They lost both of them. They have yet to beat anyone in the top uh, part of the Conference, they have only beaten that they have only lost to George Mason, which technically is the top half of the conference. So they've not beaten anyone in the top. So it would be a team below that, right? But one stat has gotten to me, okay, that made me pick, make my pick. Trey Mitchell, since coming back from their COVID break, has in both games has scored 10 points and nine points okay he has not been a factor at all richmond and st louis neutralized him not saying st joe's can do that but i'm not really trusting trey mitchell right now st joe's is hot and this this is going to be the first time that a pillow fight team gets to friday so i'm taking st joe's chris
2: is a bigger st joe's fan than me I'm gonna say
0: you,
3: <laughs> I have to correct you as well because UMass did not beat George Mason; they lost in double overtime. So they do not have. Oh, that, that
0: yeah, that's what I that's what I meant. Whatever I said, that's what I meant. So like they haven't beaten anyone in the top part of the conference, you know. And George Mason is the top part of the conference because they finished sixth, right? So regardless of whatever power rankings think, uh, you know, they're they that's where they finished. They didn't beat anyone that's six seed or above. Um, so yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of a team that can, that's going to beat anyone that they're worse than and beat everyone they're above. So, I mean, they could beat St. Joe's, but right now is St. Joe's worse than UMass? Uh, that's up for debate. But let's move on anyway to Rhode Island and Dayton. Anthony, go for it. So I said
2: Dayton was my dark horse. If We want to use that term. Love Jalen Crutcher. He does a lot of good things very well. Dayton is a more well-rounded team. I I this is one of those don't think about it too much. St. Joe's UMass toss-up. And I we could talk to or blue in the face about all these different factors. I talked to UMass fans for an hour tonight. This game, not a toss-up. This game is pretty evident. Dayton's the better team, and they, they have the experienced coach. They should come out with the win. Daniel, what
3: about you? I just cannot bring myself to believe that Jalen Crutcher's career at Dayton is going to end on Thursday in the Atlantic 10 tournament. It's just not going to happen on a Thursday in in the Atlantic 10 tournament. Dayton's going to win this game. It might be ugly. It might be a blowout. I don't know. But Jalen Crutcher's career is not ending on this day. It just isn't. Dayton's going to win.
0: Yeah, I have the Flyers too. And one big reason... Uh, we've learned Jeremy Shepard is out for this game and that's like Rhode Island's second best player you could even call them their best player because Fats kind of doesn't get a lot of points like from the floor it's always from the free throw line but Jeremy Shepard is kind of like their pure scorer he's also a senior so they're gonna have to rely on someone else besides Fats and it looks like it'll be probably Ishmael Leggett it could be Mitch Makai Mitchell if he stays out of foul trouble I don't know but Dayton is starting to pull it together here um Rodney Chapman start is starting to look back into form plus I you know a lot of people have said Dayton you know they lose to all the crap teams but they beat all the teams above them Rhode Island's kind of a crap team so they'll probably lose this game so however I was very encouraged by the Bonaventure game the most out of any good team they've beaten this year because Jalen Crutcher fouled out with like four minutes to go in that game, I think three or four minutes to go. And Dayton was only up by like three or four. So by that logic against St. Bonaventure on the road, you would think, oh, Bonaventure's just going to take over. Well, they found another contributor in RJ Blankney, a freshman who has really come into his own this year. Um, You know, they didn't turn over the ball that much. They found some buckets. They had a great inbounds play from Chapman to Jordy Chimunga down low. So that was an awesome play call by Anthony Grant. Um, they were poised and collected without their fearless leader on the floor. Uh, so I got a lot of confidence from this team in that game. And and I know what their problems are with teams that are bad this year. But you know what? If they can just get by this one game, which they have beaten Rody before, and they were up 18 in the last one, before it fell, I think they learned before that last game when they were up 18 and lost. Um, and I think they have a lot of confidence coming into this tournament with uh, beating St. Bonaventure on the road. So give me the Flyers. Last but not least, George Washington and George Mason, the double battle of the Georges. Anthony, go ahead. Which founding father do I like more is the question (laughs) I think we need to ask
2: ourselves when we see this, the internal battle that happens within Daniel as he looks at this matchup. Mason has to be the pick. What I watched today with George Washington or the clips I did see, I watched the ending of the game too. Very ugly. Did not like what I saw. George Mason is a team that is hot, kind of like St. Joe's. I've watched him play in these last couple of games They look just like a better team. They're more cohesive. They have way more scoring weapons. It's another no-brainer. It's George Mason.
3: Daniel, how about you? I really don't know, truthfully. Um, So the thing is, GW played really, really bad when they played in Fairfax, which is going to be eight days ago now as you listen to this and as the game is played. Um, GW got out-rebounded on the offensive boards 23-4, to ricky linda was a non-factor jameson battle was a non-factor and they lost by five so with that i i don't know if i'm talking myself into this or not but here's the deal gw also didn't look great today or yesterday by the time you listen to this i, I grant all of that george mason is in show me territory Because they're making me believe in them also. They've won four straight. They beat the living snot out of LaSalle. They've got some nice wins with VCU recently. So if George Mason is for real, I need them to win this game and prove to me that they are for real. Because I'll tell you, the Giant Killers group chat that I'm in um, was extremely concerned when they saw GW come back and win. Um, I think most George Mason fans are expecting a loss, to tell you the truth. I my, I have Mason highlighted on my sheet. I know I'm rambling. I'm sorry. Um, I, that's what I'm going to have to go with. But I would not be at all shocked if GW comes out and wins this game and maybe wins it by, like, a couple possessions going away. Because something about Mason in the A-10 tournament just is a weird conundrum for them. I'm not saying it's going to be an upset, but it's this is the hardest game for me to pick just because the two teams that are painfully inconsistent and just I need them both to prove to be what they're capable of.
0: Yeah, um GW kind of stinks right now, Daniel. <laughs> I mean, I, I love Jamie and Christian. I think he's a great coach. Um, I think he's leading them in the right direction, but they just don't look good right now. And I thought they looked great after the the Rhode Island game, and Rhode Island's definitely a better team than them, but uh, they they just look tired out there. I don't know what it is. Like they, they today, they, uh, I mean, it is Fordham, but when you're up 15 on Fordham, you can't like let them back in the game. Uh, Mason is also pretty much like other than St. Joe's, they're like one of the hottest teams in this league. And, you know, I don't think you can take away the confidence of this team at all Dave, Dave Paulson has them riding high. Plus I'm pretty sure if I remember, my history correctly but mason is only since they've been in the 810 they've only made it to friday one time i think i'm pretty sure so i think it would be a huge boost for this program if they made it to uh made it to friday so So. i also
3: thought that but apparently they've made it three times which i did not know they made it in 2017, they lost to VCU. In 2018, they lost to St. Joe's by 20. And in 2019, they lost to St. Bonaventure. So if they make the quarters this year, it be the fourth in technically four years because 2020 doesn't count because they didn't get to play that game
0: damn okay well screw me then because like i like did not maybe that was an article i wrote in the past but like
3: i was with you because i did not realize that until i saw that today And i was like that cannot be right but yeah i mean the thing is they never are close in the quarterfinals they get there but then they get the shit kicked out of them
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's crazy um but yeah i got mason in this one uh let's go let's go mason in that one um but that's the end of our game picks hopefully we're right and if we're not like holy crap so uh because i think we all went like the higher seed in that one except for like joe's um duquesne richmond kind of a toss-up but like holy crap if roadie beats dayton and gw beats mason um after after our final thoughts here We will get into an interview with uh, Grant Golden from Richmond. Uh, That was a fun interview. He wore a Metallica shirt during that interview. I just had to throw that out there. Um, He's a really chill guy. So uh, with that, Anthony, what's your final thoughts for this one? I know I picked
2: UMass to beat St. Joe's, but I just want to make it clear to all the listeners out there. I am rooting for St. Joe's to win. (laughs) The Lang gang is in town. And for all the people who were saying his job was on the hot seat, Me, oh my, how does winning change it all? I can't wait for St. Joe's to be the team that makes it from Wednesday to Friday. Hey, maybe even Saturday. Next stop the moon with this team. I am so excited. And the Hawk, of course, will never die.
0: Daniel, how about you? Final thoughts?
3: If there's ever a year for craziness in the Atlantic 10, I genuinely genuinely think this could be the year. Because one of the things that's always snake bit in teams that are lower seeds in this tournament is they have to play extra games and they just run out of gas. If a team can just get through the semifinals, all of a sudden they have a week to rest before the finals. So if a team can get there and just get through the semifinals and find a way that's a lower seed, whether it be whoever you want to pick, I think this could be the year.
0: Yeah. This year is just all sorts of effed up and like, not just because of COVID, but just because of the results we've seen, it would make all the sense of the world if all the worst teams just made it through tomorrow. And God, I, I'm actually kind of pumped. Like even if Dayton loses tomorrow, like I'd be really pumped. If, if St. Joe's beat UMass, if GW beat Mason, if Duquesne beat Richmond, like that would be something, but um, it actually, I, I don't know. It, there is no way to predict this thing. So, Oh, well, that's my final thought. I hope honestly it would be awesome for chaos. So with that, get your brackets into us uh, and we'll see you tomorrow for all the Thursday games. But until then, here's an interview with Grant Golden. Okay, I'm joined now by Richmond basketball player, Grant Golden. Grant, what's up, my man? How you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How about yourself?
0: Dude, just hanging out, um, you know, just enjoying some A-10 hoops, uh, talking with uh, a league legend here. Um, and speaking of that, I'm going to get right into this. Um, we're going to – we. I need to talk about the most important question – that everyone is dying to know about you throughout eights 10 Twitter, okay? Okay. You, you have been in this league, it seems like, forever. So, <laughs> like, how old are you actually? Like, you can tell me. Are you close to 30? Like, it seems like you've been here forever. Like, it's cool. Like, BYU players are all basically, like, 35. Like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I feel you. Uh, but, now nah, believe it or not, I'm actually only 23 years old, which – I know to everybody else probably seems old, but I, I still feel pretty young. So
0: dude, it, it's incredible. Like the, all the, all the comments I see online, it's so funny. We're like, Grant <laughs> Golden has been this league forever. It was kind of like TJ Klein too, you know, like, yep. I don't know what it is about Chris Mooney, but he gets guys like you and TJ Klein and like, they just stick around for like forever.
1: It's <laughs> no doubt.
0: Yeah. Um. So anyway, um so I saw last night's game you know really good game uh it's it was kind of fun it seemed like to be in one of those games you know um unfortunately you guys were on the losing side of it um it's not bad loss at all uh it's really seemed like both you guys played really hard um you both really wanted that game um it's really tough to play in St. Louis they've only lost once at home this year so but what did you guys learn from that game about yourself and about your team
1: um You know, I think the biggest thing for us uh, after last night was just, you know, we we showed a lot of grit and toughness, um, especially in the second half. Um, They went on that little run. I think it was Perkins hit two back-to-back threes, and they kind of blew it open to nine there early in the first half and sort of were able to maintain that lead. Um, And, you know, we went into the locker room, and we were just preaching chip away, chip away. And that's exactly what we did, and that's a testament to all the guys that were out there uh, we had a lot of guys step up. Um, so, like I said, I think we showed a lot of grit and a lot of toughness and a, like you said, a tough place to play. Um, so, you know, obviously we wanted to win, but I think there's a lot of things that we can take from that game, especially moving forward here into the conference tournament.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, how many fans did they have at that state at, uh, at
1: Um, I don't know what the official count was. I'm pretty sure they were, allowing 1500 total. I don't know how many ended up coming, but there, there was a decent amount of people in there. Um, the people that were in there did a pretty good job of, of making some noise. So it it was a good environment.
0: Yeah. If it did, was that like the most normal it felt like since you guys have started playing this year?
1: Yeah, I would probably say that or, um, probably that or Kentucky, uh, obviously Kentucky early on. Um, I don't know what they are at now, but they had, I think 3000 people total um that were allowed in obviously a bigger arena and everything so uh I would definitely say that in Kentucky were probably the two most normal games this year
0: speaking of Kentucky um so you guys beat them at Rupp um that was pretty sweet um how bad is Kentucky you could tell me it's okay
1: <laughs> um you know I don't I like everybody's team. <laughs> they've had a tough year um But I think, you know, with the way that they do things, obviously, with the one and dones and having a lot of freshmen play, um, I think this was just a super tough year for any team that was relying on freshmen. Um, You know, a lot of teams weren't able to get back in the summer protocols, trying to figure all that out. A lot of teams weren't able to work out uh, when they first got back. So honestly, I think they just probably had a lot of trouble with that. They have a lot of young guys playing and it's tough in college basketball to have that, especially in a year like this.
0: Yeah. The experience seemed to, I mean, at times really work out for you guys. Um, No doubt. Yeah. Uh, So what's the feeling about the locker room after the game? Um, As far as, you know, you can talk about, like, if you guys talk about like the bubble or the a 10 tournament or just like the next game or like, you know, what, what did you, what was the locker room feeling about the game?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I think, The biggest thing was sort of like I said, you know, there were a lot of positives to take from last night's game. Um, We showed showed a lot of toughness there in the second half and and really played well. And, you know, that's a game. A couple plays, a couple shots go the other way. Um, You know, it's probably a different result. But, you know, credit to St. Louis. They played a great game. Um, But, yeah, you know, we don't really talk about in the locker room the bubble or the tournament or anything like that. You know, that's not something we really – like to focus on, um, for us, it's just the next game. Uh, it's going out there Monday, um, making sure we're prepared for St. Joe's, doing what we need to do to be successful in that game, and getting ready for the tournament. So that's really just all our focus right now.
0: Yeah. Um. So how how's your finger? Um. You know, it, it it's that it, it's funny because uh, online, um, at least last night, like I saw a couple like tweets that were like. Grant they said you were like Grant scissor hands or grant scissor (laughs) claws. It was kind of funny. But like how did how does your finger injury like change your game plan?
1: Uh yeah. Um it's certainly certainly uh challenging. Um and then obviously the contraption that we came up with to uh for me to wear during games doesn't help at all. I mean, obviously it helps in terms of um, taking away some of the pain, at least when it gets hit, um, and trying to keep it protect as protected as possible, but Uh, Yeah, certainly different. Um, Certainly some things that I have to think about during the game and everything like that. And I think last night, obviously, to get the first game over with and sort of um, feel it out and sort of see what I was able to do, what I wasn't able to do. um, I think moving forward, I'll I'll be all right. Um, I think I figured some things out and hopefully, you know, I can just be the best possible version of myself, regardless of uh, regardless of this finger of mine.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I hope it gets better. Um, you, you're, I mean, we like to see the normal grand golden out there, you know, no limitations. Um, uh, so this is, a another kind of a huge topic on eights and Twitter in the community. Um, and it seems like people have a good sense of reality, but coming off of a COVID pause, um, how did that like affect your game or the play of the
1: team? Um, yeah, go ahead. Um, You know, I think it's different for everybody. Um, You know, uh, I think for someone like Jacob Gilliard, uh, you know, him being his size and how good of an athlete he is in terms of conditioning and stuff, um, you know, for him, it's more of a rhythm thing coming out of uh, a pause. So, you know, getting up shots, um, getting this feel back, everything like that for people like me we're lugging around a little more weight and everything. I think it's more of a conditioning thing. Um, I Mm -hmm. think that was the biggest thing for me uh, just getting my wind back. Um, Obviously, you know, not only coming off a pause, but also I was one of the ones that tested positive. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, having COVID and everything and just trying to get everything back in rhythm in terms of conditioning and stuff. So I think it's different for everybody, but certainly a challenge, certainly something that a lot of teams have had to deal with. Um, You know, obviously I think we did, A pretty good job credit to our uh training staff uh for the program that they you know sort of worked us back into activity with um but yeah it's it's certainly tough for sure
0: is that like how you felt like playing in that vcu game like i i know you guys played uh what was it st st mary's of maryland but um but playing into a10 games and competition like is that like the conditioning, was that like a huge factor throughout that VCU game?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that's why we lost the game because it certainly wasn't. We just didn't make shots. Um, A lot of shots that, you know, we usually convert, we just didn't make. And uh, they made plays down the stretch. Um, But it's certainly a factor, um, especially in a game against VCU where not only is that a A A-10 game, you know, obviously very good team that you're playing, but also that's a rivalry game. So there's a lot of emotion, a lot of adrenaline. Um, so to come out, come out of a COVID pause and that be your first one is certainly tough, but credit to them. They made the plays. They, they played a great game and and beat us pretty good there at the end of the second half. So for sure.
0: Yeah. you Yeah. I mean, that team is really good. They're, I'm watching them right now. They're, they're in a big fight with Davidson right now. Um, so top four is not out of it, out of uh, the question for you guys right now. Um, But that was kind of where I wanted to go next with this. Um, On the bright side of things, you guys still have a shot to get a double buy. But also, Mm -hmm. do you guys even care about the double buy? Because I know we talk about it a lot, like, oh, it's your best chance to win, blah, blah, blah. But every year we see teams lose all the time to play uh, that play on Friday. Uh, to teams that played on Thursday, like even two years ago, the last, the defending champion, technically two years ago, St. Louis, they were the sixth seed. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really not well-versed on that at all. You know, a lot of people are like, well, if this happens, you know, we'll be here and we'll play so-and-so if we win and -and so-and-so most likely if we win that one. And I, I really don't know anything about that kind of stuff. And, you know, our team doesn't really focus on that. Um, you know, we're just gonna end up wherever we end up. Like I said, you know, try and win the game on Monday against St. Joe's. Wherever we get placed, that's where we get placed. And, you know, just take it one game at a time, one day at a time in the tournament.
0: Yeah. Um, but is there also like I I wanna think that like teams that play on Thursday, you know, they carry momentum into Friday. Like, do you believe in that? Or do you believe like every game is a brand new game, regardless of if you who's played and who hasn't?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, certainly, I think there definitely is some momentum that you carry over from game to game. Um, but, you know, obviously, you're in the A 10 tournament. Every game's going to be high stakes. Everybody's going to be pumped up, ready to play. Um, I think the biggest thing, probably, that you take away from playing earlier than some other teams um, is just obviously a game under your belt. Um, you know, you have a couple of days before the tournament starts to get a game in. Um, you know, obviously, it's tough because, you know, conditioning you played a game you're tired whatever it may be um but you know you also got a game under your belt got to get some shots got to feel everything like that and this team's coming in and hasn't played yet so there's disadvantages and advantages but you know like i said uh it's a day-by-day thing and everybody's going to be pumped up ready to play every day so you just got to take it one day at a time
0: right um yeah i totally i could see that absolutely um the other thing too is this year's tournament's really weird because the final is a week later in a completely different location so yeah. what are your what are your thoughts on that like would you rather just like let's say you guys get all the way to sunday which is awesome right mm-hmm. and i don't want to make you think about that and think ahead too much but like i guess maybe think about more of like just like a team in general or maybe from your perspective um would you rather just play Saturday into Sunday or are you, would you be nervous if that was your team having to wait an entire eight days to play again?
1: Yeah. Again, I think, um, you know, I think there's advantages and disadvantages to both. Uh, if we were to play right away, obviously, you know, your legs are, are, are going to be a little heavy. Um, you know, guys are going to be worn down. People are going to be beat up, but, You know, you're in rhythm, you're ready to go. You've been playing all week. Um, Now, the way it's set up with a week in between and going to Dayton, obviously you have, if you have injuries, you can take care of that. You can get guys rested up, all of that stuff, but it's a week off from from live play. So, um, you know, differences in both. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily like the way it's set up this year, Um, especially, you know, during this year where, it's supposed to be, you know, we're so worried about COVID and safety and everything like that. I just don't really see why a whole traveling to a whole nother city a week later um, makes sense in, with that. But it is what it is. Dayton's a really fun place, um, a really nice arena. It's hosted events like that before, obviously, hosted tournament games. So it, it'll be fun regardless.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I Yeah, I'm kind of with you, too. Um, I, I do know... I. I do think that the A-10 is just trying to mitigate risk, but I don't know. It, it seems like no matter how much you guys do. Cause like, I know you guys like follow a lot of protocols and everyone does, but like teams end up getting it anyway. So it's like, you know, is that going to really matter? Um, yep. But, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I hope no one gets sick. Um,
1: exactly. Uh,
0: so final question here. So, or final uh, thought here. So, Uh, At the end of this season, we're going to host an A-10 award show. It's called the A-10 Talkies, about our site, the A-10 Talk. Uh, It's similar to the Dundies of The Office, if you've ever watched The Office. Um, And you're nominated for two awards. (laughs) Um, You are nominated for A-10 Dad of the Year, because you, I don't know if you noticed, like you put off some really good dad vibes um it's cool because like i do too like i own like (laughs) i I go to bed at like 10 and like i'm not even a dad yet like i'm almost 30 though but (laughs) um you're you're eight and dead of the year and then the been here forever award um (laughs) you're nominated uh for those two awards, and let's see the other the other been here forever awards are jake um crutcher hassan french and jordan goodwin and then the A10 Dad Award. This is a tough one. Ryan Daly, you, uh, your teammate Matt Grace, and and uh, Ryan Murphy from Duquesne. So, um, okay. yeah. So, do you? Uh, I need I need presenters. Are you able to be a presenter?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, as long as I don't have anything that day, whenever you guys do, I'd be I'd be more than happy to present.
0: Yeah man all I, I literally all I need you for is like 5 minutes to just say these lines and we'll record it and put it on a pod that's like it
1: <laughs> Sounds good sounds good
0: Um but actually side question how do you get your hair like that okay dude cuz like I don't know <laughs> if you notice but like this hair is thin <laughs> as hell and I'm I'm not I'm still in my 20s okay Like yeah. what's your what's your secret what's your shampoo Please tell me your, your hair products. I need
1: help. <laughs> um, well, I had a buzz cut for all the way up until my senior year in high school. And then that's when I decided to grow it out. And uh, I finally got it to uh, a pretty absurd length, obviously, as you guys have seen. I actually cut it uh, over Christmas break. So it's a little shorter than what it was start the year. Um, in terms of shampoo and all that, uh, I, I got to keep that. I got to keep that secret. I haven't. I haven't told anybody. The only person that knows is Jacob Gilliard, and that's because he's my roommate and we share a shower. So he's my shampoos in there. So <laughs> he's the only one that knows.
0: Let me guess. It's mane and tail.
1: <laughs> nope. Nope. it's
0: not mane and tail oh i was like it's it might be the horse shampoo i don't know <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway grant um thanks for coming on uh, i appreciate you taking your time i love the metallica shirt and we'll see you uh on tv in a couple days for uh saint joe's so uh is that is that your it's at home right yeah and that's your senior night
1: uh Yeah, I guess because of COVID and everything, um, you know, they didn't really want to do like a senior night because they felt it would be tough without fans and stuff. But I think we're doing something like a video before something, and then we're going to do something hopefully when everybody's families can make it to town uh, after the season maybe. So we'll see. All
0: right. Do you know if they'll be like posting that like live to like watch virtually? Just in Uh, case fans want to watch?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I would imagine they would um but i have no idea i'm I'm sure they'll come up with something though for sure
0: gotcha well um awesome well this has been awesome man uh thanks a lot um i hope i hope you guys uh make an awesome run the a10 tournament maybe make it to ncaa tournament but i don't want you to think about that stuff you just keep playing and doing your thing
1: (laughs) no doubt i appreciate you having me on
0: yeah thanks man i'll see you later
1: sounds good